it looks like we've piqued your interest in the hideout. First of all, let me tell you what the hideout is not. The hideout is not for hustlers, for grinders, or for people who are looking for a shortcut to what the world calls success. The hideout is about growing as men, creating lifelong friendships, and having the time of our lives. Are you ready to tap in to the endless source that will take you from success to significance? The hideout is two and a half days of hiking, biking, and doing the little things that it takes to create lifelong friendships. I find that joy is nothing more than falling in love with your current circumstances and allowing magic to happen. And that's when we see growth in every area of your life. Have you accomplished your goals professionally and financially and you still thirst for something more? Has success in these areas come at the expense of far more valuable things like your family, your children, and your relationships? Alignment in business, strategic partnerships, and joint ventures all come from true relationships. The hideout is designed to get to know people before you'll ever meet them. This is not your typical mastermind. The hideout is focused on the one thing that will fuel everything, joy. And when joy is overflowing in your life, you'll find growth in your marriage, your relationships, and oh yeah, your business. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. Uh, on today's show, I'm so excited. This young lady waited in the waiting room for 15 minutes. She was so nice, and she sent me a nice text saying, uh, are we still on for today? I was waiting on her. I, uh, we had some technical difficulties, but when we got on, her smile was bigger than ever. Everybody destroys her last name, and I get to say it right today, so I'm, I'm going to be in good graces. She doesn't have two eyes in her name either, and so that was the a little bit of confusion. So she is so special. She's a founder, CEO, author, speaker. She's a mother of four, an amazing wife. I thought she said mother that is Thor, uh, a superhero mom. Uh, but she's she's the, the go-to in leadership. Uh, she, she owns Keystone Group uh, International, which is incredible, teaching people about culture and how to be able to lead in a completely different way to be able to impact not only the people inside the, uh, inside the organizations, but also seeing the results in the bottom line. So please, please welcome to the show, Miss Jamie Tates. Thank you. It, it's so I'm, great I'm, to see I'm you. I'm pumped to be here. <laughs> I just need a little joy in my life, and you always bring it. <laughs> I have waited. I have waited to uh, be able to spend some time. It's funny because we run that ad for uh, our number one sponsor, which is The Hideout. And we run that ad, and it's all about guys, and then bang, here comes Jamie. So, okay. Jamie, tell me how important it is um, in, a, in a, a business, and more importantly, in a home, that the man in the place has joy inside of him. Wow, that's a that's a loaded question. The because I think they need to model it for everyone around them, right? I, I have four kids, two girls, two boys. And you know, when you look at the male figure in uh in a relationship in a household, that is typically stereotypically the the serious, 
right? They're, they're the ones that play when the kids are younger, but tend to be serious and the rules and everything later in life. And I think we model for our kids that, that that is how we're supposed to be. And they often don't see the real us. We just got back from a week of vacation in the Pacific Northwest where we're like just out away, uh, right on the Puget Sound, like walking on the beach, right? Kids throw the phones and nature wins kind of thing. And I think when we go on vacation, our kids see a different version of us. They're like, wow, you guys are like, when you chill out, you're kind of fun, <laughs> right? And that's their true selves though, right? The stressed out self that we bring every day, all of us as humans. And so I think both men and women struggle with that. And we don't have to have this harsh exterior, right? The joy is underneath in the mushy stuff. How, how does a person find joy? Like how do, how do you help your husband to be able to find joy? I, I tell them all the time, don't, don't show your wife this video as far as the hideout, the, that, that hideout promo, don't show them that unless you want your wife to force you to go because she knows right. when you come back and you're full of joy, she's going to reap the benefits of that. But right. where, where do you send your man or how, because I think uh, for, for a man and, and you know, this art Jamie, because you've been married how many years? Well, I'm in my second marriage, but okay. we've been married. We're going on five. Um, so it, it's been, it's an awesome. I'm on my, I'm on my second marriage too. Um, yeah. so I, there's, there's no judgment there. I just think that, you yeah. know, it, it takes a, it takes a couple or maybe once or twice to be able to get it right. And, uh, <laughs> so we're, we're in the club together, but when you're, when you're talking about that, like you have to come up with an idea, am I correct? And then you have to make it seem like our idea as the man. How are you I, yeah. able to artfully do this? Because you not only do this at home, but you do this in business too. You know, I also think that I live the way I live. I want everyone around me to find it, but I also struggle with finding it myself. So I'm not the best model. I would say my husband is an amazing model of this because he knows what his hobbies are and he finds the time for them. Wow. Right. And I honor that. And so again, not that it's perfect, but he is so much better than I am at finding times for the things that bring him joy, right? It's bow hunting and it's at 5.30 a.m. on a Saturday and he's out in a blind sitting out in some field somewhere and that's his meditative experience, right? He's like, you should come with me sometime. And I'm like, that doesn't bring me joy. My joy comes <laughs> from, I'll go to the spa, you go there. Like, <laughs> but, but I think it's individual. It's what brings you joy can be, I mean, last night, just sitting on the deck, right? We live on a lake and it's just beautiful and serene and just sitting there. And it's like, just the quiet and, you know, things there, it, think, joy doesn't have to be this grandiose thing that you have to go search for. It's the things every single day. And I think that's the misconception a lot of people have. And I, I think one of the big things is where people uh, almost get caught up where they, they, they forget about the, the true definition of it, right? So what I, I used to mix up happiness and joy together. Right. And what I found is as I got a little bit older, I realized that happiness was circumstantial and that joy was falling in love with my current circumstances and watching magic that. happen. You know what I mean? Right. And so right. I think that that uh, now that I think that that segues right into, you know, a part that you're a master at, which is culture and building culture, um, mm -hmm. you know, because without that fuel of joy, like, and I noticed this before I got to see you in a business sense, I got to see you at lunch. I got to give you a hard time sitting across the table from you and your, <laughs> you and what I thought, what I thought at the time, really, Jamie was just your friends. 
You yep. had you had two women with you, was Stephanie, and who was the other one? And Jen. Stephanie and Jen. And you guys were going back and forth like you had been friends for life, and you just happened to be at this really cool golf tournament, and you guys were just hanging out. And as I dove into it, I realized that that was just a part of your culture. Not to say that you guys aren't friends and you guys aren't connected and things like that, but you guys were doing business in a completely different way because you actually had real relationships and that, you know, flowed on into the business. Can you tell us how you you masterfully created that kind of environment, how you do that for other people? Yeah, I think it comes from your purpose or your why, right? Why do you exist? We don't exist to make money right? We are a business and we need to make money. So everybody listening, telling, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, we need to make money, but that's not what drives us from the inside, right? That's not what really gets our blood pumping. It's having impact and that's impact on each other, right? And how we help each other grow. I learn more from my team, I think, than they learn from me. And I tell them that on a regular basis, right? When I started this business, I left a really cushy corporate job with stock options and a great salary and I jumped off the cliff. And when I did that, I would, my one commitment to myself was that if it ever stopped being fun, I would go get a real job. Mm. Because I was like, why am I taking all this risk going through the stress of doing this if I'm not going to choose what I want to do? And I've managed for nine years to build a business that essentially allows me to do what I want to do every day. And then it's just attracted people to me right? That want to do the same thing. I mean, everybody that works for me right now, 100% of the people that work for me right now did not apply to a job posting. They knew me socially. They knew me in the business environment and they sought me out to say, what would it take for me to work for you? Wow. That says something about what we're creating. And now they also have people reaching out to them to say, what would it take for me to come to work at Keystone? Because when your culture is truly authentic People can feel it outside the walls. They can feel it in your emails. They can feel it when you're on a podcast, right? They, you know what the culture feels like when it's good. And so people talk about this all the time where they, they, it's a buzzword, right? They talk about culture and they're like, oh, well, if you have the right culture or they say I'm lacking culture. I believe that every single business has a culture. It just, whether it was, (laughs) it was uh, uh, deliberate or not. How do you right. how, like give us like the the foundational part, right? So how how does one go about creating the um, culture that they ultimately desire? Well, the first thing I want to do because culture is a buzzword, and culture is this nebulous, squishy thing that <laughs> almost allows leaders to just pretend like they can't impact it, so they ignore it when when you really can and so we try to simplify culture our entire model that we use is just simplifying it you do not need to be an organizational effectiveness expert or the hr person to understand it but we simplify it to this a positive culture is a place where people leave every day better than when they came in that's it wow that can be the smallest interaction that they had with somebody that can mean someone coming into their office and just giving a crap about how things are going with them. It can mean, I mean, it can mean a lot of different things, but then the foundation of creating that environment is leadership. If we don't have conscious leaders in an organization that actually care about their people and want to know how things are going, then there's no way you're going to achieve a positive culture, no matter how many team barbecues that you do. 
So, uh, Jamie, let's let's go back then. Why why is this so important to you? You know, like growing up. I mean, most of the time, and I, I find this all the time. We're we're almost two hundred episodes in, and mm-hmm. I want to thank everyone out there listening. I want to thank everyone who's rode with us since the beginning, and uh, all the supporters, all the sponsors, but also too. What I find is almost every single person who's out there helping people, which is almost every person on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, they're helping people because they lacked that thing when they were growing up. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if they're in, uh, you know, one of my, one of my cousins, he, he was helping, you know, abused kids, um, you know, and he was an abused kid. Right. And mm-hmm. so I find that when people, you know, gravitate towards helping people with leadership or with culture, a lot of times they saw maybe a, a, a negative side of it, or they saw a super positive part of it, and they wanted to model it. Most of the time, it's the previous one. Yeah. What impacts, if any, when you were a kid caused you to kind of go down this road? Ooh, all right, we're gonna go there. Let's go there. Um, <laughs> you said so nothing's was, off limits, no, Jamie. Oh, absolutely, nothing is off limits. So <laughs> I'm an open book. I literally wrote a book and shared, like, where my editor was like, "Are you sure you want to put that story in the book?" Yes, because somebody needs to hear it and it's gonna impact them. Um, I was born to a single mom who had me at 17. Got pregnant at 16, had me at 17 in small town Minnesota. Got it. If that tells you anything about the stigma in the seventies okay. of having a child, right. At 17, super progressive area. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, still is not to this day. Um, we, we, why we don't live there anymore. Um, but you know, I, I, that's the world I came into and, um, my father was not involved in my life at all. Um, I, I've met him four times in 43 years. Uh, so don't have a relationship with him at all. Um, and so it was just my mom and I, Right. And we moved out of the town so she could get away. She put herself through night school. Right. She worked a full time job. My great grandmother actually helped raise me. We, we lived with her to get by. But, you know, I tell people stories about shopping at the Salvation Army for school clothes. And but at the same time, volunteering my time wherever we could, because that's the only thing my mom had was time wow. to give back. Right. Yeah. She didn't have money. Uh huh. And, and so I do a lot of philanthropic work. I was raised in a philanthropic family because it was a hand up, not a hand out. My mom was proud, but she would not, you know, she, she didn't want to go on welfare. She didn't, she just wanted help to get through this stage that she knew she was in. And so she is now a successful entrepreneur, um, you know, 30 year career. And so she's really modeled that for me on how to be a go-giver, right? If you, the book is probably one of the most profound books I've ever read in that you can win and other people can win as well, right? You can win through serving other people. And so that's pretty much what's framed my entire leadership. It's framed our entire leadership development curriculum on that when you enter a situation, a relationship, wanting to be curious and serve the other person, you get more in return. And how do we teach leaders how to be that way? That's where positive culture actually stems from. So, Jamie, talk to us about that, though, because a lot of times when you grow up, say you grew up without a pop, right? 
And mm-hmm. uh, you grew up without dad. You saw him four times in, in your in your very young years. You were bragging about how young you are, too. <laughs> By the way, I saw that jab that you just did. And if you're listening <laughs> out there, Jamie was like, Kelly, you're old. That's what that's what she was saying. She wanted to do it, but she wanted to do it. You know, she she wanted to do it real sly because, you know, she didn't want to do that. That impactful leader part like hoarding over the top she was serving me and letting me know that i i'm, I'm on the uh i'm closer to uh, a discount at denny's than she is um but a lot of times when when young ladies grow up without a father figure then they run into challenges in relationships early on because they kind of don't know what to model and then let me add this uh, fuel to the fire you got a very strong woman who is, you were saying, you know, a very proud woman too. So this, she raises a very strong woman who a lot of times a strong woman doesn't need a man. Then you meet, you come into contact with men who need to feel like they're the man. And sometimes this causes a little bit of friction in relationships or it can cause, you know, uh, you to gravitate towards the boneheaded boys. Um, was this the case early on? And uh, did you have some boneheads and did you allow them in? who hasn't had boneheads? Um, But just to be clear, so my biological dad was not in in my life. My mom remarried when I was five-ish years old. And so my dad, who I call my dad to this day, legally adopted me, raised me. Now, just like any child who has a biological parent that hasn't been around, right? There's for sure baggage, Yeah. right? Like baggage, I'm still working through it, 43. Because you're just- Are you saying 43 again to just drive it home? Is that what you're doing, Jamie? Yes, I am. Okay. I am. Right. I'm just All 43. Right. Yeah, you, 43. Yeah, yeah, you you look a lot younger too. So. Um, yeah, appreciate that. Um, but so you just, you know, you you still deal with that and you carry it with you. I am stubborn, right? Because I feel like I have something to prove. And it's only been in my 40s that I've started to figure out that I don't have a damn thing to prove to anybody but myself. Um, but I did carry that with you, you know, with me this whole time. And I think people do all sorts of things from our childhood. Um, but I think it made me independent, but it also made me, um, think I could fix things. So I would say I always found the people I thought I could fix. It was like houses, right? Like if I put some flooring right. in this bad boy, yeah, I put some paint on the walls. the edges a little bit, yes. right? He might be okay. Of course. No. It doesn't work. Did you keep them around for a long time or was this like, did you, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying that you had, uh, you know, all like boys all the time, but I'm saying, did you, did you have long relationships and you were just trying to fix them and they were boneheads and you knew it from the beginning and then, or was it that they tricked you for a while or what was your style? I just got bored. You just got bored. So I am a builder, not a sustainer is what I say as a Ah, leader. Like I like to build and fix. And then sustaining, like, that is just boring. I like risk. <laughs> you know, I, I like things that are messy. And so I, I'm a builder. And so once I either determined I couldn't build the person or it kind of built up and then I was like, mm, eh, bored, um, I would move on. When did you get to the point when you were saying you had this epiphany in your 40s uh, where you realized you didn't really have anything to prove? I mean, a lot of times when you're building, right? When you're building, you're, you're not only building that person, but you're proving to yourself that you could build that thing, right? right. So when right. did this epiphany happen? And was it in the wilderness? Were you out just on a walk and then you, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the heavens opened up? Or was this a, a traumatic experience that you maybe went through that, that caused you to realize it? 
Yeah. So it was, it pro it started in my mid thirties. So I read about this in my book too, is, um, I went through, so I started my business and six months later I was in the middle of a divorce. So I started my business thinking I had a little bit of a safety net, right? I was married to an executive, like had a, and six months in, um, that was no longer my safety net. So I had to figure it out on my own, right? I had to hustle because it's like, this is, I have to provide for my kids, pay my own, all my own bills, right? Do everything you had I to need to do. You provide for four. Well, four, two at that point. Two at that blended point. Blended family now. So, okay. but yeah. So I mean, two, I had two children. How old are they at the time when you start your business? They were seven and almost nine. Oh my gosh. So, so right at that point. And so I remember the kind of rock bottom moment and most successful people have that moment of just like, that's where I hit and that's where I climb. You know, I've only been climbing since then. And it was, you know, I had a beautiful house on a golf course. I, you know, I had the life. 2.2 kids, a dog and a house on a golf course, right? And a great job. Like to the outside world, it was like, she's got it going, okay. you know, she got everything together. And I moved myself out of my beautiful house on a golf course to a shitty little townhome because it's what I could afford on my own, not knowing what was going to happen. And I remember the first night in the townhome by myself because my kids weren't there with me and I had no furniture. And I was sitting on the floor of my living room, looking around going, this can't be my life, right? This I've worked this hard. I was an executive in corporate America, like from the outside world, everyone thinks I'm the successful entrepreneur that decided to go out on her own. And no one knows that I'm sitting in the shitty town home tonight by myself, trying to figure out where my life goes from here. Wow. And it was in that moment that I just decided that no one else was going to define me, right? What I had accomplished or not accomplished wasn't going to define me. And that I never wanted to be in this moment again. And that was, that's been my goal ever since is just not to feel like that ever again. Like I have bad days, um, but the bad days aren't really that bad when you've been in a moment like that, right. And what you've dealt with. So I think that was probably the moment that it really snapped for me in my head. Like you just got to do you. And, and I love what you say, fall in love with where you're at and then still want for other things. And that's perfectly fine as well. Jamie, what music were you listening to that night in that townhome? Because uh, the reason why I'm asking is because my wife, my wife is this. She's a little bit of hairspray, some yeah. lipstick, and some gangster rap, and it's on. <laughs> like, that's, that's my wife. Like, when it's time to roll, when, when our businesses yeah. all shut down, when we had, like, walkouts, when we, when we had the, yeah. like, my wife would seriously, she'd be sitting, she, she does, her, uh, uh, does her makeup in the sink, feet in the side of yeah. the sink, sitting up on top of it. Mm -hmm. she's got her phone next to her. She got gangster rap. She got Tupac. <laughs> she got Biggie. She's listening to that. She pops a little bit of hairspray in, gets a lipstick. Yep. And I tell you, our business just starts flowing. Yep. What was the so, soundtrack? So I don't remember that night. I actually don't remember. I was probably, yeah, not even, I don't know. But my, now, like my husband would attest to like, if like we're on a road trip or like I'm DJing, it's nineties hip hop, hands down nineties <sighs> hip hop. And I'm a weird savant in that I can't remember stuff from yesterday, but I can remember words to a song I heard once, like in a weird way, like songs from all genres, all eras. Like I have this weird, so I know every word to every song on the planet. So Jamie, oh. do you, are you a Pandora person? You a Spotify person? Which Spotify. one are you? Okay. You have to, on Pandora, there is a station called uh, Hip Hop Barbecue. 
And for okay. all of you listening out there, this is the greatest party uh, station on Pandora. Okay. And thank you for Pan- uh, thank you Pandora for your partnership too with the podcast. <laughs> um, but hip hop barbecue is exactly in line with that. Your book, you are here. I see it right behind you, and for those of you watching, you can see it right there with Jamie. Um, this this book is profound because I, most of the time people are talking about where you could go, and what you're talking about is like, no, 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 you're here in the townhome. You're here, and if you don't know where that is, it doesn't matter all the rest of this stuff. Can you talk to us a little bit about why that's so important to you? So the whole purpose of the book, and I never set out to be an author, just to be clear to everybody. I just felt like I had stories to share that I knew other people dealt with, and I wanted to normalize that stuck feeling. Right? We all get stuck throughout our entire lives, our careers, those stuck points. So I believe stuck is a great place to be. Because when we feel stuck, it is our catalyst for change. Right? When we are in that moment, that shitty townhome floor with no furniture, all we can do is make a decision to change, to do something different than what has gotten us to this point. And I think a lot of us stay in that stuck place for too long because we think there's something wrong with us, that we've failed in some way, when really it's just part of the journey. There's a muscle that we're supposed to be exercising, that we're supposed to build during those stuck moments that is preparing us for something in the future, right? I'm now grateful for what I went through because there is no way my business would be where it was at if I'd had the safety net. I truly believe that. Now, I still would have built a successful business, but I had to, right? I was stuck and I had no choice but to get up and out of where I was at. And I think that's those obstacles along the way. We look at them as as though they're in the way of our path when really they are the freaking path. Wow. The obstacles are the path. Jamie, how much is enough? How much is enough? Enough of what? (laughs) I don't think what it depends on what, what you're living for. I don't live for stuff. Yeah. I live for experiences. When did, when did that come into play? Because I am like, and I love this. I love being around people like you because you make me better. Right. Because mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm that great of a person because growing up people were like, it's not about things. And I was like, yes, it is. And they would be like, it, Christmas is not about the gifts. And I was like, yes, it is. I want a lot of them. I want a lot of them all the time. I want to, what else am I going to unwrap? Am I going to unwrap your thoughts? You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, you know, going through this as a kid and growing up and stuff like that. And I want to be honest with the audience too. A lot of times people would be like, it's a thought that counts. And I'd be like, what the hell were you thinking then? You know what I mean? And, but then there's people like you that are like, you know, it's not about the material side of it. And I always wanted to be that first person to be able to say like, you know what? You can have both. Like you can have, you can have have the cake and eat it too. That doesn't mean, but that's not what drives me. 
And how do, how do you keep that in line? Because as you become successful, like yourself, right? right? You become successful. There's a lot of things that are available to you. I was just watching Tony Hawk the other night. And when I was watching him, he said, even him, he was like, I saw it coming for the second time because he had lost everything. And then the fame came again. And he was like, and I got caught up again. How do you not get caught up in the success and remember the, 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 the town, uh, town home floor. Yeah. I think it, it depends on how you, what you come from, right? When you come from nothing, I mean, in, in truly some of the most successful people, if you actually read their stories and you hear their, they came from very little. And I think it's just when you come from that, it's not right or wrong. If you didn't, it's just that hardship started so early in life that it, it didn't have to come later that for me, it's just, I watched my mom build what she built with, with kind of nothing. She didn't need stuff for us to be happy. I don't remember not having anything ever growing up. I never remember being different, right. Or being, but I for sure was right. I was poorer than all of my friends, but nobody would have known it because I, you know, my mom still made sure I was clean and the way I showed up, right. That I wasn't that kid. And so I, my biggest concern right now is how I do this for my kids because they're living in a world that is, what I never had, but I don't want them to believe that this is their, that, that this is the way they start. Right. So I literally had this conversation over vacation with my kids that they're like, this is so great. And we're staying right on the ocean, you know, like just the places that we get to go. And it's like, we do this because I've earned this. We've earned this, right. My husband and I, like, we deserve a trip like this. We work really hard, but just know that this is not how your life is going to start out of college. How, how, how do you get that across to them? Because it, it's one thing to tell them that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now, my wife and I had a plan. When you, before you have kids, we all have this plan. And I'm sure you did too. Before I had kids, I was like, my kids are going to be soldiers. They're going to listen to everything. I'm not going to mm-hmm. be like those parents. You know what I mean? No. Those, those parents I see in the store that are buying their kids stuff just to shut them up. You know what I mean? They're crying and they're screaming. I was like, I'm going to have soldiers. And also, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay at the Four Seasons and then get a room at the Motel 6 with a nanny and have my kids stay there so they see how it is to struggle. And I'll come visit them during the day, but they can't come to the good pool that me and my wife are going to be staying at. And then I had, then I had the kids. And I had right. the kids, and you know where they were staying? They were staying at the Four Seasons with us. And so it's hard to help them to understand this or to like not only to say it, how do you show it? How do you say no to your kids? Like your mom maybe said no to you because she couldn't. You have to say no to your kids because you don't want to. Can you talk to the moms out there and the dads? I... So I don't believe it's in what they have or, or if they stay at the four seasons, it's in the other moments. It's in the walking the walk and what they see, right? So my daughter, when she was 14, so right before COVID 2019, I took her for 10 days to Ecuador on a social mission trip into the Amazon with no Wi-Fi, no cell phone service for 10 days, a 14 year old. Did she survive? Yeah. With no Wi-Fi? Hold on. With no Wi-Fi, she survived. Oh my gosh. I think I had a bigger problem than she did. (laughs) Did you have to go to therapy when you got back? Yeah. Right. 
but it was beautiful because what I exposed her to first off was other cultures and we've traveled internationally with our kids for a long time because the world does not revolve around the United States of America, although we would like to believe it does. Right. So exposing them to different cultures, she got to see what real poverty looks like. Right. But she also got to see joy with people that have clean water and, you know, a few clothes. Right. And they're happier than anyone she knows here in the United States. And so those experiences, if she gets the new iPhone, I don't really worry about it. I mean, she's the, my, my oldest now wants, she wants to go to the Peace Corps. She wants to be in international relations and solve the world. I mean, she truly solve all the world's problems. She truly does, but it's not because I didn't take her on fancy vacations. It's because I shifted her perspective from the moment she was old enough to understand, right? I broad, I always say, when we're taking them on a trip, the purpose of this trip is your lens is this wide and I just want to widen the aperture, right? I don't need to change you. You don't need to feel guilty. And true story, um, a couple months ago, I took my daughter on a college tour to a private college, not someplace she was planning to go, but just a really nice school that had the programs that she was looking at, $80,000 a year. And she walked around campus. She knew that was not right. That's not what our family, I got forward, put through college. That's not what our family's paying for. <laughs> and she walked through this college and it was kids from, it was Tulane University. And it was kids from all over the country. Only 9% actually come from New Orleans where Tulane is at, right? A, a very, a lot of poverty in New Orleans. And, and she walked around campus and my 16 year old looks at me halfway through the tour. And she says, if I come here, I'm just around other people that are privileged like me. Like, how is that going to help me grow? And I recognized her for having just the self-awareness to, to see that moment. But in the same moment, I told her that her privilege is not something that I want her to be ashamed for. I want her to take her privilege and use it wow. to make a dent in the world. The people that waste their privilege, that's where privilege, I have an issue with privilege. When you use your platform, when I use my platform as a successful entrepreneur to speak these words out, to change people's perspectives, that is what I'm supposed to do with my privilege, not feel ashamed about it. And she was like, wow, I've never thought about it that way. So it's do something with it. That's what matters. My buddy just reached out to me. He's actually in, uh, in um, Alabama. And he's a teacher at a school, and there's a little young lady named Emma. And this just is in real time. It just happened, Jamie. So I would love for you to speak to this woman, uh, Jamie, or uh, Emma, because Emma uh, listened to a podcast, listened to one of our podcasts, and she stopped vaping. And I guess she started to struggle a little bit. And she said she needed a little bit of encouragement. And I think, no, I, I think God brings these kind of opportunities into life because, I mean, you as a incredibly successful woman and not only successful when I'm, I'm not speaking for those of you out there who know me, you know, that I'm not speaking about money. You know, that I'm not speaking about mm -hmm. things, but Jamie is successful because she does and makes an impact and is in line with her purpose. Mm -hmm. What advice would you have for Emma right now? That was, you know, struggling with vaping, got through it and now is struggling and maybe on the, the cusp of going back into it. So a couple of things that I would say, so this is what I would just have this conversation with a coaching client. A couple of things is would 
the person you're going to be 10 years from now, um, be sad for the decision you're going to make. Right? I ask myself that all the time. Like, will I regret this in 10 years if I don't do it now, if I don't take this risk, if I don't do that thing, if I don't change, right? If I don't step into something that scares the crap out of me. So will the person you want to be in 10 years, you know, want you to do this? And then the other thing I would tell her is that success leaves clues. My mom told me that from a very early age, and I never knew what she meant by it until I got a little bit older, but success leaves clues. And success can mean a lot of different things at that age, but pay attention to what's around you. Pay attention to the good influences that are coming into your life. The fact she listened to your podcast, that's a clue. She needed to hear that, right? Maybe she needs to hear this podcast. Maybe she needs to listen to that other voice that she hasn't listened to before from someone different that keeps coming in and out of her life. Like, I think when we slow down to pay attention to who's coming in and out of our lives and for what reason, the universe is guiding us to, to what we are supposed to be, right? To how we live out our purpose and what we need to do. I just strongly believe that. And we just don't listen. Jamie, how, how have you been able to navigate to, you know, you deal with leaderships of companies, I mean, uh, with some of the greats and uh, with a lot of the greats and, and people know that when they, when they need a shift in their culture, when they need a shift in their leadership, there's, there's one answer and it's the Keystone uh, Group International, <laughs> right? And it, it's, a, it's a really easy, I mean, it's an it's a easy decision for the people mm -hmm. who know who you are and for those who don't, um, you're going to find out quick and then you're going to get the results and you're going to see why you need to spend time with Jamie. But a lot of times you're in a world, a male dominated world. And when you're talking about the leadership, things like that, where uh, a thought process of a man who goes after what it is that he wants is, mm -hmm. you know, wow, he's focused, he's shrewd, he's blah, blah, blah. And then there's only one word that comes to mind when, when a woman uh, goes after what she wants and, and she's locked in. And the reason why I say this is because I was in a, a, a woman dominated uh, industry for so long in the professional beauty industry. So, you know, how have you been able to navigate that? And can you talk to the ladies out there? Um, mm -hmm. You know, talk to the ladies out there that are listening how, I mean, you do it so gracefully. Um, and I watched you, I watched you interact with people. I watched you, you know, not only interact with the people who you work with, but the people at the uh, convention, uh, you know, with Malax corporate ventures that, uh, that we were both at and where we met. Um, but you do it so masterfully. Is it something that was conscious or is this just something that's natural that comes to you? Um, so I, I think it's something that's evolved over the course of time. Um, I call it, you know, for women, it's stepping into your power. And power doesn't mean power over people. It's knowing your own power. And I was just interviewed for an article. Um, it's, you know, something women, power women of something, I don't remember. And they, they asked me, they really were pushing me on this question of male domination and, you know, and being in these environments and how are women kind of um, not treated the same. And I, to be honest, I, I've, I've never felt that way. I'm sure I have been, but I think it's the perspective that I look at things through. I have so many clients that are construction, big, big, huge construction companies. That's all men in the leadership team, right? I'm in the executive boardroom 
and I'm holding their feet to the fire and kicking their butt to get them moving. And they hire me for that. Right. So I have that unique ability because that's my power. And I don't necessarily think it's male or female. It's that I know what I'm really good at and I'm honestly curious and want to serve. And that's what shows up. And so my guidance to women who are listening, who feel powerless is to find your power because you have it. You just haven't tapped into it. And when you can find your power, you don't show up as bitchy or aggressive or whatever title they put on you. You show up as respected and an expert in what you do, right? And whatever that power is. And I just think most of us haven't had those role models, which is why I want to be out here talking and, and showing that I don't have a Harvard education, you know, and an MBA and all of this. I just know who I am and what I'm really damn good at. And I figure out how to do more of that every single day. So let's go back to the town home, uh, town home uh, floor. <laughs> I like that place. I think you're that gonna place, take me back. This is like therapy. I like, like it. Okay, let's go back there again. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that place because it's it's when you said about stepping into your power. I think that a lot of that power, you know, comes from that. Was it? Was it? Uh, was it um, laminate flooring? Was no, it? Was it? Was it, the, it was dirty carpet. Okay, so we're <laughs> on the dirty carpet. We're dealing with a, a, a divorce at the time. We're dealing with now you're going to have to split your kids, you know, half the time, whatever it is, and you're dealing with a new business. So you're talking to three different women there, right? You're talking to the women who maybe are going through a divorce right now. You're talking to a woman who's a young entrepreneur, and you're talking to a, a mother who is going to see your kids half the time. What would be two or three things that you would say to each one of those women. And you can compartmentalize them if you want, or you can generalize and talk to all three of them at the same time. But what would that be? Yeah, I think they're all phases of being stuck just in different ways. So the couple of pieces of advice that I would give is double down on you. If you're going to make a bet, bet on yourself not somebody else solving it for you, not Prince Charming coming in and saving you, not double down on you. Because when you make that decision that you have control of getting through whatever you're getting through, your whole perspective changes, right? Your whole perspective changes. And so I just think it's when we truly know who we are, because here's the thing, whatever you're dealing with, it, it could be a cancer diagnosis. It could be, is up until this point in your life, you have figured it out 100% of the time. What evidence do you have that you won't figure this next thing out, that you won't get through this next tough point? You have zero evidence that you can't do it. Sometimes it's just reframing and, and having people around you, whether it's things you listen to, but it's what, your, what noise you are letting in. Right? Are you listening to the right people? Are you listening to the right podcasts? Are you listening right, to the watching the right things that fill you up? Or are you choosing to listen to the people that are in the same place as you right, and want to keep you small and keep you where you're at? I pay really a lot of attention about who I'm around and whose energy that I want to absorb. And so if you're in that moment, you need to find other people's energy to use until you have your own energy. And that can come from a lot of different places. You for sure are one of those places. 
So let me ask you this, Jamie. <clears throat> What's the most unconventional recent um, uh, sources of wisdom that you've had? And the reason why I say this is because I, I catch them at different different points. Like sometimes mm-hmm. some hip hop with some really bad lyrics will just get totally. me and I'll just be like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to base my whole business on that. Like there's uh, If It Ain't Rough, It Ain't Me. Uh, which is by NWA. All my hip hop heads out there, you know what I'm talking about. Is MC Ren? There was very few cuss words in this in this song, but it's. I mean, he he says a, a line that says, "I'm a gangster in black and I'm about to attack." And when I, yeah. I when I heard that lyric, I'm thinking I need to get into my clothes, the thing that I feel the best in. He was talking wearing black as NWA at the time, and then I was thinking, get in my uniform and then get in that mindset and then just go handle it. Now, right. I, and and you experienced it, I don't know if you remember it, if you're in the room, but there at Malax Corporate Ventures, I had them change the music that I walked into. Yeah, and I was jealous. <laughs> I wished I would have done that. And it got me in a mind frame because that, I mean, it was unconventional in that room. And for mm-hmm. those of you out there listening, uh, it, it, it was Juicy by Biggie. Uh, it was all a dream. And because it was all a dream that I got a chance to be able to go and tell stories around the world and that be my job. So right. what's the most unconventional recent thing that you've been able to draw inspiration from? Well, there's a couple things come to mind. So a, a song similar to yours. So there's a song called Legendary by Welshley Arms. They're they're not a super well-known but the whole song is around like essentially we're all meant to be legendary in whatever legendary means. And it just pumps me. Like, I'm just like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, you know? So on a run after, you know, something that doesn't go my way in the business, like it's, it's those types of things that really fill me up. So music is a huge piece of that. Um, I also have a spiritual advisor is what I would call her. She's amazing. Um, so I do readings that aren't like a medium. She doesn't talk to dead people. She doesn't read my past. Like it, she's really just talking about, am I on the right path? She's not Oda Mae so, Brown. No, you know, you know who Oda Mae Brown is. Do you uh, know that reference? Like I should. Oda Mae Brown was Whoopi Goldberg in Ghost. Oh yeah, no, that's Oda Mae. No, okay, yeah. all right, all right. So I, I hope there's one person out there listening that was like, I know who Oda Mae is. Most people oh, don't. Re- remember, I'm only forty three. Oh man, here we go. It, it, <laughs> I knew it. I knew she was gonna get me again. Hey, you, that was a softball. You <laughs> threw that up for me, and I did. <laughs> Okay. So the spiritual advisor, you said that, uh, the spiritual yeah, advisor. It just helps me, helps to validate, right. Okay. The way I'm feeling, am I doing the right things? Am I focused on the right things? Are my priorities in check? So again, that's for some people that's weird and a little woohoo, but for me it's, it's grounding. Yeah. It, it helps kind of ground me and feel like I can forge the path forward. What about the things, Jamie, that, that make you belly laugh that, I mean, when you're, when you're as, in the fly in the realms that you do and you coach at the level that you do and your company, uh, you know, Keystone group international is at the level that it is a lot of times seriousness. It can be wrapped around those things. When, mm-hmm. when, and what do you belly laugh about that has no return on investment at all? That just causes you to like, just like your belly to hurt when you get done. And when you get done, the only return on investment is the fact that you laugh. So I have one professional and one personal. So my team, um, 
we do anytime we do a retreat right or we go away um we do dance parties so we have one whole night that's just like 97 and everyone can control the playlist and we dance for hours but it is the most i mean like you're dancing and laughing and crying at the same time so that is one that's full belly laugh like your abs hurt the next day um and then my 14 year old so my youngest he's the he's developing into this like stand-up comedian like i don't know where it comes from like his wit but he makes me almost pee my pants on a regular basis like laughing so hard and it's just the dumbest stuff but just so innocent and pure that it's almost funnier because he's not trying so that's that's where my belly laughs are coming from recently where do you I, I noticed this with you when we sat down at lunch because you know we uh you know I, I just love to be around i love to be around when i go and speak in an event i like to get there a couple days before i just like to be able to connect with the people and we were able to connect to the uh you know we were able to connect at lunch you guys actually allowed me to sit with you which was very gracious of you um but also too what are some of the things that um that you're looking at that you allow people in because you allowed me in um, mm -hmm. and I, I noticed it, I watched it, mm -hmm. I watched it happen, but I mean, with a person that, that, uh, of your caliber, um, there's, there's filters and there's, uh, there's firewalls. What are some of those things that a person can get through to Jamie or the, what are the things that you're looking for that sometimes would stop you from, from interacting that way? So the number one thing is authenticity. Right. So I grew up, you know, my family will joke that I can talk to the CEO and the janitor at the same time in the same conversation. I don't see differences in that. I see the authentic person. So that's what drew me to you clearly. Right. You're authentic. You know who you are. Um, people that I fear the most, like I'm uncomfortable around are people who I believe are putting on a front for me or because of me. And those people make me nervous. Like they literally their energy like makes me want to back away because there's not an openness to who they are, how they think, those types of things. So those are the people I'm an empath, so I can feel energy as I approach someone like I know that sounds weird to some people, but I can actually feel the energy and I'll know without offending them if I want to move towards them or move away from them. So in a room full of people, I'm actually leaving for a networking event here shortly. I will navigate the room based on the energy of the room. Wow. Well, Jamie, I want to, I want you to, uh, this is a huge compliment is I'm so glad I didn't know uh, who you were be, before we sat down for lunch. The reason why I say it is because mo if, if anyone knew who you, who you are, and then they sit down with you after that, they're going to be so damn intimidated about what you do. And it was cool because I got to know you before I knew what you did. And you were just this, this amazing magnetic person that was lifting everyone else up and you were asking questions and constantly, I was asking you questions. You were deflecting them to your friends and you remember <laughs> I was deflecting them. Like they would uh -huh. ask me questions. I was deflecting them. So it was like, we were both passing the ball, you know, back over to mm -hmm. the other, but you do it so masterfully. If you had like, you know, if a company came to you, I, I mean, I, I like to think of it as, as you know, most of the things are pretty simple that people want, right? Companies, I mean, I, I broke it down to one thing, like companies just want to grow. And it's like, people are like, well, it's more complex. It's not more complex than that. They want to grow in impact. They want to grow in, you know, revenue. They want to grow, but they just right. want to grow, right? If they want to grow, they develop the culture. If they want to develop the culture, they'll build the people. So build the people, develop the culture, uh, grow the business. That's, I mean, if, yep. if a person was to sit down with Jamie and they were, they had 30 seconds and they were like, Jamie, 
I need help. I got 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? I would ask them where their competitive advantage is between the business needs, profitability, growth, innovation, and the human needs. And how well are they managing that competitive advantage in the center? That's what we do, is we help them figure out how to harness both. You are a gangster, Jamie. You are you are incredible. The a reason, 90s hip hop gangster? I love it. I love the fact that you said 97. I'm wearing a chain right now. You see that chain? I wear a chain because I love hip hop so much. I love it. Um, actually the first name of the uh, the um, podcast that when we were first going to do it, it was going to be called All Things Hip Hop because I was always going to bring it back to hip hop at some point. Okay. Um, and, and you know, you got iterations of things and it didn't last, but yep. you know, but it's in my heart. So I started the podcast because of my kids. I got two kids, 13 and McKenna, who's a, a absolute genius. She's um, an artist, a writer. Um, she's going to be acting, directing. Um, she is a, a feeler and a heart, like heart. Mm-hmm. I got, uh, she's 13. I got 10-year-old Maddox, who is his own character. If you see him on online, he just got I've all seen. the dreads. In yep. the back of his head done, he's got a little mohawk on top, shaved on the sides. The kid is a is a cartoon character. He's hilarious. <laughs> so I wanted both of them to see iconic figures like yourself, and I wanted them to see that Jamie wasn't a superhero, that she was a, a normal person mm-hmm. that went through challenges, but she had a phenomenal attitude and work ethic to match. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use both of their names, it would be awesome, Jamie. Maddox and McKenna. Oh, so many things that I'd want to share with you. Um, The first thing I would tell you is that your job in life is to make a dent, to make a dent in the world. You don't have to solve the world's problems. You don't have to invent, you know, find the cure to cancer. You have to make a dent. The dent can be in your community, it can be in your backyard, it can be in your family, it can, it can be in a lot of, it can be in a business, right? But your job as a human, because my, I always told my kids, my job is to raise good humans, right? Not to raise you to be a certain thing or be the smartest or be the, my job is to raise good humans who make a dent. So that is their job. Wow. Well, Jamie, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm sorry for making you wait in the uh, the waiting room for 15, wait. 15 minutes is a long time. I want to have you on again, too, because I know you have some time constraints. But I think that we could go on and on, and I want more and more people to know about you, and you're just such a phenomenal resource and an even better human being. If you're out there listening, you know you what to do. Check out all the sponsors. You know what you need to do. Check all those things out. Uh, the main sponsor is The Hideout. You guys need to check that out. It's two and a half days of getting in touch with the one thing that fuels everything, which is joy. And when you put joy inside of your life and in in every single thing that you're doing, you'll see every single thing grow. Jamie, you have been absolutely phenomenal. And I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, you have been, you know, you're 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 more than expected, and I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. You got it, and you're officially off the hot seat.